Back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello, everyone. Also joined with us today is our good friend, frequent guest, and honorary Reformed Rebel, Sandra Rowlett. Hey, y'all. How are you doing today, Sandra? I'm doing good. Awesome. Little one's down for a nap, so. Bam. Let's do this. Bam. So I'm talking about. If you want to get to know more about our podcast, you can go to our old website, but it's rebelalliancemedia.com and check out all the other podcasts in our network, the Reformed Rebel Network. You can find Reformed Rebel Network in iTunes or your podcast catcher. Subscribe to the network on YouTube and you can get our content there. If you would like to financially support us, we encourage you to go to patreon.com slash reformed rebel. And you can support the network financially there if you find this helpful and want to support us. We would love it if you did so. A big thing that we are just in the beginning stages of is... The Prepared Table! Do you guys want to tell everyone a little synopsis again real quick what this is? Go ahead, Sandra. I love how you always just put it on me. Like, (laughs) go for it! (laughs) You got this. Um, No, The Prepared Table is basically a 40-day devotional for your family to get you through Easter and leading up to Easter, ending on Easter, of just that we are welcome to God's table and what that means and what it looks like and, you know, that we need to go out and spread the gospel and invite others to our table. So that's pretty much like a super quick devotional guide, but it has a meal plan and everything with it. So it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Check it out. So the whole thing is geared towards feeding your soul as well as your body. And and are, other people's. And in yeah, and in try and trying to include as many people uh, at your table as possible. Encouraging you towards hospitality and discipleship. So it's all free. You can find it at rebelalliancemedia.com. That's our old network name. So the website will be changed, but as of right now, you can still find us at rebelalliancemedia.com. And I think it will be released on our Facebook page as well. But as of right now, I know for sure you can find it on our blog at rebelalliancemedia.com. It's all free. You have a free weekly meal plan. You have a devotion, a devotional guide, questions, all kinds of tips and tricks. And it is a good time. Yep. We did an episode thoroughly explaining every bit of it. So we're not going to get too deep into it right now. But you can also go to the website and check it out. So we have Sandra on for a very special reason. And if you have been listening to Awakening Reformation for an extended period of time, you remember about a year ago, we were doing some episodes slowly making our way through Louis Burkhoff's Manual of Christian Doctrine. And we named that series Bite Size Burkhoff. And we basically just took little sections and we were doing kind of shorter episodes based on the content of his manual of Christian doctrine and kind of just read through and discussed the doctrine of that section. And we found it very helpful and got a lot of great feedback while we were doing it. And we're coming back. We got about a little over a third of the way through the book, uh, from what I remember. And so we're back. So, you know, we had to uh, do some convincing weeks and weeks of convincing and arguing, you know, behind the scenes with Sandra. But she finally 
agreed to come back on. She's a stubborn one. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's hard loving Jesus. So, <laughs> she, she's very honest, though. She's a very honest <laughs> Christian. You won't find anyone more honest. And she's back doing Bite Size Broke Off with us. So, shall we jump in? Let's shall. All right. Since I'm being forced. That's that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag me too, Sandra. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. All right. So, um, all of you listening, you can get this book of Burkhoff's online for free in PDF form from monergism.com. If you Google Lewis Burkhoff Manual of Christian Doctrine PDF, it will come up monergism.com free PDF download. And Lewis is spelt with an O-U and Burkhoff is spelt... Burkhoff. So B-E-R-K-H-O-F. So Lewis Burkhoff. He's he's Dutch. I like this guy, of course. But it's a great little handy um, like theology theology book. It's not as dense and large as a systematic theology. It's pretty so. dense, but the snippets are like small. Like each right. chapter is small, each section is small, which is why we call it bite size brick off. Very digestible because it's heavy, but it's small. <laughs> exactly. So if you do buy the paper copy, which I have here, we are on page 135. I think there are different versions, so that may or may yeah. not be accurate. So, Ours is pretty old. But if you, yeah. so Mine, mine looks different than your guys's, but it's Does the it? same. Is it? The page it? number, yeah. Mine's oh. page 135 as well. You can get it pretty cheap on eBay. I think we all got our copies on eBay for like four bucks. Yeah, if you're in America. Yeah. That's true. I realize and if I you're in Canada, there's a big not, difference. You know, going to seminary school like Grant. And I mean, I can take this piece by piece and do it. So I think probably anybody can because I'm not that smart. Yeah, it's um, Grant just agrees. You're, but <laughs> thank you, Grant. No, there's no, no. You are Grant is always building me up, you guys. <laughs> amen and He's such amen. a good brother in Christ. <laughs> it is a great tool for the layman. Sandra is right, and this was when we first encountered it. Was at Sunday school at church. Yeah, remember? Yeah, and we loved it. Yeah. All right. So the section we're gonna talk about today is under man in the state of sin all right so burkoff begins this section by talking about the origin of sin and i know that nate and chris on the rebel podcast i think two or three weeks ago now they were kind of talking about pelagianism mm -hmm. semi-pelagianism and burkoff kind of gets into that so if you haven't listened to the series that the rebel podcast is doing talking about the gospel and different false gospels you might find that to be a good marriage with our podcast. Yeah, it would be perfect. That's a really good plug. They cover some of the views of Pelagius, and they directly connect to this topic of man's state in sin. Exactly. So if you don't know what that is, go back and listen to that episode because they get into it deeper. We're not going to get into that bad theology very deep here, <laughs> but we're basically just going to focus on the origin of sin and the fall of man. So when did sin enter into the world? Mm -hmm. And we know that uh, the Christian perspective of sin and evil and the problem of sin and evil is different than other religions, other denominations, perhaps, right. and the evolutionary theories of how mankind began this tendency towards evil things and sinful actions. Right. So we know from the very first book, Genesis, the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve brought death and sin into the world by disobedience. Yeah, God's word teaches us that creation was made perfect and whole without sin and that mankind was created without sin, innocent 
And God's word explains this in a way that they were naked and unashamed, right? That they were innocent, pure, holy, righteous, and there was no issue. Their relationship with God was perfect. Their relationship with creation, with the animals, and everything. With other, with other forms of creation. Right. Was at peace and in perfect fellowship, yeah. Right. So, Burkhoff talks about Immanuel Kant a little bit. Right. And he talks about how Immanuel Kant recognized in human beings this tendency toward like sin and violence and it's if you look at nature even not mm-hmm. even just in humans but in nature you can see that th- there's this propensity towards sinful terrible things happening and though it was unavoidable or inescapable he couldn't exactly pinpoint why this happened and so if you look at evolution and evolutionary theories they will typically chalk it up to mankind basically being under evolved Right. Like they kind of point back to mankind when they were at a different stage in the evolutionary process. Mm -hmm. and, And somehow certain members in society haven't evolved past their brute like ancestors. And that's why certain people are born serial killers or are born narcissistic or. Right. They're just farther down the evolutionary chain or whatever. Right. And so their solution to the sin problem or evil would be that... Eugenics? uh, Well, that's true too. Right? That's why something like that does come out of an evolutionary mindset. Right. But also that what humans should do is be looking towards a more positive future, wanting to be more evolved, wanting our society to be Mm -hmm. more enlightened, uh, more wholesome, whatever that means. Right. And so people who aren't striving towards that goal have just recessed back towards their more brutish nature nature yeah yeah and that's why the evolutionary worldview led to things like marxist utopianism Mm -hmm. and what we see nowadays where um, everything just needs to be flattened out and everyone you know the uh, universal egalitarianism is what needs to happen right we Mm -hmm. all need to evolve into this upper level of consciousness where we're all at peace we're all tolerant everyone has become their you know true self and fulfilled their you know greatest potential they've reached their full potential Mm -hmm. but like that's what you always hear though right like be true to yourself be your true self because that's what they're pushing Follow your heart because whatever's in there is is leading you towards that utopian right because what's inside of you is trying to evolve Mm mm-hmm it's really trying to, and you just need to let it. You need to let it happen. And you can even see this in our form of justice, and how our penitentiaries are set up in such a way that are actually not like biblical justice does not prevail in our pen- penitentiaries. Not at all. But yeah. rather, it's a more of a reform. Like mm-hmm. we want to reform them. That's why they're called penitentiaries. Penitentiaries. Penitential. It's supposed to be a place where you are penitent, where you repent. Right. And you are sorry, and then you are changed. Right. You go there for a few years, you pay for your crimes, uh-huh. so to speak, and then you're released, and you're supposed to be a changed man or woman. Yeah. But that is totally opposite from what the scriptural narrative teaches us, mm-hmm. that sin is something we do, rather it's something we are. So the yep. person who goes into the prison system doesn't just do sinful things, but they are, in fact, a sinner because of the fall of mankind, which is what we're talking about. Exactly. Well, I'm just saying that, like, if you if you believe this evolutionary view and that we are all evolving, mm-hmm. sort of say, and everything, then who's to say which way we're supposed to 
evolve, right? Right. If it's like the survival of the fittest and you're evolving, then maybe the person who's being murdered or whatever is evolving in the wrong manner and they should be more like a Ted Bundy. Or maybe the people <laughs> that are murdered were just the weakest of our species and the murderer is yeah. actually doing us a favor. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So like maybe, you know, they weren't their survival of the fittest, so they deserved to, to die and mm-hmm. stuff. And maybe the Ted Bundy is actually evolving the correct way because he's stronger and and more intelligent, more power, more manipulative. Yeah. So it, then it still is just like, well, who's to say which way is the good evolving? Like if we're supposed to evolve to this peaceful way, that's still borrowing from the Christian perspective, right? We're we're supposed to love each other and you know love our neighbor and you know all those things and not and murder each still, other like Ted Bundy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and not murder each other. Yeah, like they Ted can't. Bundy. Yeah, so, they can't I mean, escape you're that. Still, like, who's making the decision of which way you're supposed to evolve? Right. You're yep. you're borrowing from the Christian worldview. You have to. Yeah, exactly. So, so messed up on so many levels. I'm just saying. I did want to point out something that he made. He made mention of early on in this little section about the difference between evil and sin. Mm-hmm. And how sin is a type of evil, but I think he doesn't go as far as as he should have. And maybe it's just because it's a manual and not a full theology. Mm-hmm. I would have to go check his systematic theology. But I also know Burkhoff is not postmillennial. He's he's Amil, and I I don't know exactly how theonomic he would be. I'm mm-hmm. I'm leading us somewhere here. So I believe you. Hold on tight, but. He he makes a good point in showing that diseases or sicknesses is an evil in our world, but it isn't always necessarily a sin. Mm-hmm. And amen, right? You get a cold, someone could get cancer. And that is definitely an effect of sin in the world, and it is an evil. Mm-hmm. But in this little section, he says, do you want to read it word for word? He says, but it may not be the result of sin, or it is not, or... He says on page 137... In the present day, many people show a tendency to substitute the word evil for sin. But this is a poor substitute. While it is perfectly true that all sin is evil, it cannot be said with equal truth that all evil is sin. Sickness may be regarded as an evil, but it can hardly be called a sin. Moreover, the modern tendency to speak of evil rather than of sin finds its explanation largely in the fact that people prefer to regard sin simply as a disease or as an imperfection for which a man can hardly be held responsible. So I get what he's saying because it's true. If you just call, look at the evils in the world, mm-hmm. right? That Somehow that, sounds nicer than saying, look at all the sinners. Exactly. Look at all the sin in the world because sin implies a person did it right. and they're responsible. But when you say, look at the evils in the world, it does have an impersonal connotation to it right well and you can be ca- talking about hurricanes you could be talking about a famine you could be talking True. about the coronavirus but where he doesn't go with it that he should have though is god does punish sin using those things right that yes. diseases coronavirus very well could be a punishment for sin well and you look at even where the coronavirus is largely being experienced it's mm-hmm. in china what are the massive sins happening in china they're killing their children and yeah. they have been for decades there's state mandated birth control right and so god's like okay you're going to treat your offspring this way right then i'm going to send you this disease and mm-hmm. you will die as well and right. people are and i'm not saying god is doing that i'm just saying but it may be it may be right. that god is judging these people by using evils in this world and at least those things are supposed to perk up your ears right, right. and cause you to go holy smokes this this might be judgment 
let's get on our knees. Right. Right. And that's that's what God wants from his people with all of these things. Mm -hmm. And explicitly in Deuteronomy, God says, when you disobey me, I'm going to bring famine and pestilence and poverty Right. Well, you can see so, it all throughout well, the scripture. I mean, everywhere you can see it with people having to look upon the serpents in the wilderness. Yeah. You can see it in the plagues that God sends to Pharaoh in Egypt. Mm -hmm. This is how God works. And it's always supposed to lead people to repentance. Right. Yeah. And if you think that was just pertaining to the state of Israel prior to Jesus, read the book of Amos. And there's another minor prophet, too, where God specifically judges other nations and other people groups for their sin against him. Mm -hmm. And he brings well, war to their city and war to their gates and poverty and famine to their land because of their sin and because of the way they treat other people. And it might not be a personal sin because surely there are right. Christians in China who are not Millions doing them. sinful things. Right. Like, like We're not saying that. Just like the book of Job, that if you are experiencing any type of tribulation, that it's because of your mm -hmm. sins. Even Jesus said, this is not true. This is not this is not true. Just because right. you are experiencing a trial or a tribulation, it's not necessarily linked to a personal sin. But you do live in a society where people are sinning around you. And you have to just expect that if there is massive rebellion against God, that's going to affect you. Yep. Well, and how many people did Jesus heal with, you know, that were blind or had a disease or couldn't walk? How many did he did he heal that were like at his feet mm -hmm. saying, I love you. I believe in you. Heal me. Right. You know, I mean, they, even those people, it brought them to him. Right. It led them to that way. And so, I, yes, he he uses us. And I think as a whole, a lot of times we don't like to look at that way because people like this nice, loving God who would never do anything like that. And so we hate right. to say that. These could be due to sin or to draw us to him because that wouldn't, that doesn't seem loving to us. Mm -hmm. Even though, like, what could be more loving than God drawing us to him? Right. It's God's way of always, what did C.S. Lewis say? Suffering is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Mm -hmm. Something like that. I'm probably messing up a word or two, but it's just another way God works to wake us up, to wake us out of our slumber, to bring us to himself and to draw us to himself. How many people have been drawn to God through suffering in their life, through the death of a loved one or something? It, later on in this little chapter, in this mm -hmm. little section, he does say that sin includes both guilt and pollution. So this is probably where he would say, yes, you do have personal responsibility or personal guilt, mm -hmm. but also sin carries with it pollution. So maybe personally, like in the people in China, maybe there are Christians who personally aren't in unrepentant sin, but there is a pollution of non-Christians around yeah, them right. who now you are experiencing the pollution of someone else's sin. So yeah. that, that's probably where he would point us to yeah which is i think a pretty accurate yeah. depiction of yeah, it definitely. i kind of like how he, he calls it pollution too yeah i like that too yeah and i i don't remember if it's after or before but that leads in really well to the section on sin being absolute mm. and i think this is where a lot of people will differ too and burkhoff makes the point that sin causes a person to be totally depraved right this is where protestants differ with roman catholic church too Yes. Because we believe that sin does corrupt you absolutely. Right. You have that original sin, whereas the Roman Catholic Church does not believe that. You are not born a sinner, necessarily. Right. And this is where Jesus teaches that out of your heart come adulteries and lying mm -hmm. and all those sorts of things that comes from your heart. 
your heart is where the the heart is the seat of your sin and your sin nature. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 2 says that you by nature were children of wrath, all of us were. Mm-hmm. And and so that's where that totally depraved doctrine comes from is these teachings that we find. And that doesn't mean utterly depraved. Right. That doesn't mean every single person is as sinful or as bad or as heinous, as evil as they could possibly be. It just means that every cell in their body is tainted by sin. Mm-hmm. Every thought that they have is tainted by sin. Everything in their all of it's tainted by sin. That's why even the good things you do in the law, like burying your dead parent, you are ritualistically unclean and you needed to go to the temple and be cleansed. Right. Well, why? They were doing a good thing. Well, same with giving birth. The command was to be fruitful and multiply, and then a woman does that, and now she's unclean. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what the? But I it's because. Was a good thing. <laughs> right, exactly. And it, it was God reminding us that now, because of sin, literally everything that we do is tainted by it. And so that's what total means. It mm-hmm. just means every aspect, material and immaterial, of our being is tainted by sin. And that's why we don't just go to a penitentiary. We don't need to just evolve. We don't need to just get some better education, take some classes. We need a we new get some Jesus. We need a new heart. We need a new nature. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. There is no, he says there's no neutrality, which is, I kind of love that. He says you are either sinful or you are like holy. There is no mm-hmm. in between. You are either in right standing with God or you are not in right standing with God. Yeah, there great. is no gradation here where mm-hmm. you start off okay with God, but then you get less and less and less okay the more you do sin. Or if you do a few good works, then you can get to become then you can become more in favor with God. Like there is there is no right. sliding scale here. You either are completely in fellowship and in right standing with God through the blood of Jesus Christ, yep. or you are an enemy of God and his wrath is upon you. Right, there's there's two types of people in the world, those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ, right? right. That's it. Yeah. And how people hate that. <laughs> I know, right? Well, exactly. And you, and you can tell no yeah. You can tell that there is a large group of people who hate this because the large majority of Christians in America are semi-Pelagians. And I know we said we weren't going to get into a large, a large discussion of this, but boiled down, it's just that we also are somewhat tainted by sin but not completely right so that we can after birth at some point in our life whenever we're mature enough to make a decision Mm -hmm. we haven't been so corrupted by sin so as to not be able to choose to be in right fellowship with god and grasp on to the salvation that jesus acquired for us in the cross that is possible because we aren't completely tainted by sin just a little bit of sin Jesus saved us from just a little bit of our sin, just enough that we could actually accept Jesus as our Savior. Right. And we give thanks to the Enlightenment for that because they elevated the abilities of human reason so high that that teaching kind of seeped its way back into the Protestant church because the Reformers and the Puritans did a wonderful job teaching total depravity. They really did. But then come 1700s and stuff, when the Enlightenment really started to take hold all over Europe and then, you know, in the West, that that started to creep back in and Arminianism started to creep back in. And then that's why you see the Presbyterian Church kind of, I know a little bit of rabbit trail here, but that's why you see them start to get really strong in their Calvinism again. Mm -hmm. 
because mm-hmm. they're trying to fight off this Arminianism that they see seeping back in. And they forgot about the sacraments in the meantime, which was sad. And they went very, you know, very doctrines of grace and they're writing good commentaries and really focusing on their Calvinism, which is good. And and that was partly wise, like you said, this teaching coming in that, well, you just kind of grow up and you learn your faith and read some books and your brain is able to... Mature into a, a yeah. right decision. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, evolve. Which, yeah right, evolve. Yeah. Now evolution keeps being brought up. Yeah. <laughs> but this goes into, um, like, the nature of the first sin. And I do love what he says about the temptation... Mm-hmm. of Eve because he said that there might be a few reasons why Satan or the serpent the serpent being Oh yeah this was good. The serpent being mm-hmm. the tool that Satan used to get to Eve but why he went to Eve there are a couple reasons perhaps why this was the case. Mm-hmm. One of them was that um Eve wasn't the covenant head right and, and therefore, so and therefore would not have the same sense of responsibility that's a super interesting point isn't it yeah and you know paul picks this up as far as why men should only be the elders in the church right do you think his statement here is helpful in understanding what paul says yeah in there yeah i think yeah, so yeah. well and and paul even specifically says that women are easily fooled and if they inherently don't have that sense of responsibility as much as a man does mm-hmm. they're an easier target easier target for sure. And shouldn't be the elders right. in the church. Uh, and then another one was that God had not given the command directly to Eve, but rather to Adam. Mm-hmm. So there might be more wiggle room in her interpretation of the rules. Right, right. Which is... An easier way to make her doubt. Yeah, totally possible. And then there was one that I really like. Oh, yeah, that Eve would undoubtedly be the most effective agent at persuading Adam towards disobedience against God. Right. Yep, and all the men were like, yep. <laughs> like, you want to get to a man, yeah. you get to his woman. True. Still so that all way. All the women were like, <laughs> right. yep. How many times have I convinced my husband something stupid? Yeah, if a guy changes his mind super fast, it's like, what does wife say to him? Pretty much. <laughs> but I think about that Pelagian, semi-Pelagian idea, mm-hmm. and you think, okay, how did that creep into the church? It seems like that sounds more tender and loving and somehow you have to believe that there's a woman somewhere mixed in there that was like, but that sounds so mean. Right. You know, that just doesn't sound like something God would do. And then you think, well, look back to Eve. Look back towards the first sin. Typically, wherever sin creeps in, it is a reinterpretation of what God said. It's mm-hmm. a spin on what God said. Right. And so rather than just believe, because scripture says that people are born into sin mm-hmm. and are incapable of coming into a unity with the holy god mm-hmm. that sin separates them there's a chasm between and jesus has to come rip us up out of our corpse-like sleep and mm-hmm. the holy spirit regenerates us and brings us back into communion with god that rather than believing that because that sounds like really mean that god wouldn't just do that to all of us mm-hmm. that only some people are saved not everyone why wouldn't god Sandra, why wouldn't God just save everyone? That's so mean, right? I mean, it's horribly mean. It's like kids being bullied on the playground, being picked last, or not being picked to yeah. play on a Red Rover team. It just—it sounds mean, right? No, I mean, it's funny because it's such like a good analogy of it, right? Like, we are kind of like living in this world where everybody is like, you no, know, everybody gets the participation trophy. Yep. And right. that's exactly how they feel about God is that like our belief on that, like everybody should get this participation trophy. The fact of the matter is not everybody's participating. <laughs> I think it's sad that we can't even 
think of our God, like this God that you have, like who would justly make those decisions. You know, the, the God that created the whole earth can also say that I'm, you know, going to make this for honorable use and this for dishonorable use. And well, I'm going to show you. Right. And that assumes that that person is like obeyed God perfectly their whole life and God just didn't pick them. And it assumes right, the like person, a perfect yeah. candidate. And... It assumes that someone wants to be in right fellowship with God, which right. we know that the sinful human heart doesn't want to be in fellowship with God. And also, it assumes that God is not actually righteous in his judgments. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, he, that For... the God that created the, you know, earth and foundation of the earth, you know, surely messed up when he didn't choose so and so. Yeah. And Burkhoff points out that the at the root of all sin, but you clearly see it in the first sin is an attack on the will of God. It's pride in our heart saying, our way is better. I'll figure it out on my own. I think it should be done this way. And which is what Eve did. That's what we're doing right now. Saying like, well, that's just not nice. I think my way is better. So here's my point. My point in saying that the serpent went to Eve first Mm -hmm. and me saying that because the semi-Pelagianism has worked its way through the church, there has to be a reason for this softness mm-hmm. that's coming to the church. We're not strong and forceful. And it's because women have elevated themselves in the church. Like you said, women have become elders, mm-hmm. pastors. There are teachers who have snuck in or maybe even overtly brought in right. very feministic teachings. And you have to see this comparison where Eve was one of the conduits of bringing sin into the world. Yeah. And then you look at our church and the semi-Pelagianism, this weird, soft version of chur- the, the church that we have right now and be like, women, women are a big problem here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's because I mean, we are not acting in the way God created. There is no head above us correcting us, like protecting us against bad theology like Adam should have. Right. There's the the woman who's sitting there saying, I'm going to make this decision for the household and eat this fruit that I was forbidden to eat. And then there's the women who are like, yeah, we should just, you know, allow women to be preachers and teach this mushy gushy gospel where there are no repercussions for our sins. Hello, Beth Moore. Well, and even if it's I mean, not. Women... I didn't say it. Well. <laughs> Well, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, I don't think it was first. <laughs> yeah. The reason why there's bad theology in it's the Beth church Moore. is because of women pastors. Um, but Not just pastors. No, no, it's but it's because <laughs> men aren't leading their families, men aren't leading in churches, men, right? It, you would say that it's it's all areas. Well, it's men abdicating their responsibility. Period. And it's women assuming responsibility that is not their responsibility right. and justifying That's how this stuff sneaks in. Right. Justifying taking on a man's role. Yeah. And we're yeah. really good at doing that, right? It happened in and the beginning. Gladly doing that. <laughs> yeah. Right. It happened in the garden and it's still happening now. Yep. All right. Well, I think we're good. This was fun. I'm happy to get back into bite sized Burkhoff. Are you guys I feel like I can excited? sing another song. What? Are you ready? Hold on. Oh no. You know this one? No, I don't. Well maybe I do. I can't hear it. I'm back in the saddle again Out where a friend is a friend Where the longhorn cattle feed on the lowly gypsum weed Back in the saddle again Riding the rain I have no idea what it was. Is that Gene Autry? Yeah. That's awesome. Back in the saddle again. Bite-sized Burkhoff, y'all. Who knew that we could combine 
bite-sized candy with a Christian doctrine manual and an old Gene Autry song. And the release of a feasting guide for Easter. With... <laughs> All with, at the same time. Yeah, this is this is a weird combination, but somehow it works. It's good. God's sovereign, you guys. Do you know how many, like, old westerns my grandfather watches and how many times I've heard this song? Right? <laughs> my grandpa used to sing this song to me. He'd bring out his guitar and... That's really awesome. He did that when the kids were there over the summer, too. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate you tuning in. Come back next week for another... Bite-sized burp-off. That's right. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. Until next time, get woke. I'm back in the saddle again Out where a friend is a friend where the longhorn cattle feed on the lowly jimson weed, I'm back in the saddle again. Riding the range once more, toting my old 44. Where you sleep out every night, and the only law is right. Back in the saddle again. Whoopie tie, I oh, rocking to and fro, back in the saddle again. Whoopie tie, I yeah, I go my way, back in the saddle again. Back in the saddle again Out where a friend is a friend Where the longhorn cattle feed On the lowly jimson weed I'm back in the saddle again Riding the range once more Holding my old 44 where you sleep out every night and the only law is right Back in the saddle again Whoopie tie-eye-o rocking to and fro Back in the saddle again Whoopie tie-eye-ay I go my way Back in the saddle